Now, uh, amazing story to tell you, because here's what happens. I, I, last week I told you that I had a second part to the sermon that I was doing, and that it really wasn't a Mother's Day sermon. And then Justine, uh, not thinking about that, but she actually contacted me and said, I've got a great sermon follow-up to what you were doing, and it really was Mother's Day. So I said, great, and put her in. And we're very thankful for that and announced it and so on. Uh, the, like I say, what happened was is that on Friday and then Saturday, so I got up on Saturday morning at 4 o'clock ready to write a sermon so that I'd be prepared to take this if I had to, and I got a long ways down the road on it. Oh, there you are. Hi. <laughs> Lovely to have you here. But what I did is I got quite a ways down the road on the sermon, but I just kept going. I kept thinking that God might give me a Mother's Day hook to it, and I just couldn't find it, and I went, well, you know, everybody will understand, but still. And, and I just was, well, I had, a, I had a breakfast at 8 o'clock with Rod Carlson, who some of you know, he's, he, he memorizes and gives us back scripture in a way that it comes alive. And so I had an 8 o'clock meeting, and I had to text him at about, I don't know, what was it, 6.30 or 7 o'clock, and I just said, geez, you know, it's not coming as fast as I want, and I don't think I'm going to be able to make our 8 o'clock meeting because, and he said, can I help? And I went, well, I thought you were preaching. I thought, I thought he was literally doing his thing down in, at Doug Burch's church. And he said, no, that was last week. I'm open this week. So I went, well, huh? And, and then I went, well, what would you do if he came? And he said, well, he said, I've been working on Romans. Now watch this. I've been working on Romans 4 through 8, memorizing it and speaking it. And here's what you have to understand. My whole sermon was about Romans 6 through 8. The whole sermon. I literally was taking the concepts that are in 6 through 8 and walking and working through them deconstructing them and doing all this kind of stuff. And, and that particular passage, the way I was doing it, wouldn't have been Mother's Day, but that particular passage, the way he's going to do it, is massive Mother's Day. It's incredible. It's every day, but it's wonderful for it. So I just, I, I prayed about it. I contacted Justine. I made sure that where we were and everything else, and sure enough, it seemed like it was the Lord. So that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> and I do want to say, I think this is going to be a real treat for the moms that are here, because this is, I've always said something about Romans, the entire Bible in my mind works its way up to the revelation that's given to us in Romans, in particular chapters 4 through about 8. This is the pinnacle of, of all the scripture, and all the scripture sort of comes down off of that peak after that. It works its way right to, these, to this revelation that we're going to hear today, and so, you know, I just want to say, I'm really excited that you're going to get to hear it just as a spoken word, because that's what it was intended to be, right? It was a letter that was written, and then he would read it out loud to everybody, and it was just as if Paul was in your midst talking to you about something. These weren't these theological treatises that we've turned them into, Romans being the most important one. So I'm very excited about this, and we're going to do one thing before we get going, though. Rod, could you come up? And please welcome him, okay? You have, you have in your packets this, okay? Would you pull this out? This is normally something he would do at the end of his time when you've heard it and you go, wow, I'm really inspired to memorize scripture. But I asked him, I said, I really want us to, I really want us to have the word ringing in our ears when we leave rather than, and so I asked him to go ahead and reverse his flow and he gratefully, gracefully uh, agreed. So would you just explain to people what this is and sure. what you hope to do with this ministry the way that you do it? Go ahead. Okay. Hi. How many were here last
last two years ago when Jenny and I were here. By the way, Jenny is in Des Moines right now at a Foursquare convention (laughs) doing this. Yeah. How many really don't care who we are? (laughs) Okay. This is, uh, as it says at the top, it's just a, a set of handy, helpful hints on how to get memorizing that Jenny and I have found helpful. Uh, there are some real specific things in here. Now, I have to admit, I'm old school when it comes to memorization. So uh, I'm the guy that's sitting in the chair with a cup of coffee or lying in bed with two pillows uh, just reading through until I can memorize it. Some of you find it very easy to memorize on the screen of a computer. I'm out to lunch with that. So some of these, these uh, handy, helpful hints relate more to the way Jenny and I memorize, but some of them are general in nature, and I hope they'll help you when, when God pokes you, because I'm absolutely convinced God's going to poke you today. When you hear, when you're listening to God's word, you have an incredibly good chance to hear his voice. Amen. Okay. And you didn't come here just because you didn't have anywhere else to go. Uh, you'd kind of like to hear from the Lord. Eh? 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 Okay. So, um, just uh, don't get engrossed in the handy, helpful hints while we're going through Romans 4 through 8, okay? Just, just tuck that in your Bible. Um, if you, uh, during the course of the, the listening through the 4 through 8 of Romans, God pokes you with something, scribble a note so you can remember what it is. And we'll take maybe two or three minutes when we're done and just do some popcorn. What did you hear? You got that? Okay. Uh, close your Bibles, if you would. Okay, that sounds heretical in a church. <laughs> not not uh, that many people bring their Bibles anymore because of oh phones. And so. Close your iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, there, and it's, uh, there, there's a, a reason for us asking you to do that, and that is if you're trying to follow along and you don't have a New Living Translation first edition, which is what uh, the, the translation from which we memorized, your brain gets into this comparing thing all the time. It, it just happens. Uh, and then if you do have a New Living Translation first edition, and you're following along, you kind of follow into the, fall into the trap of, I wonder if he can make it. <laughs> <laughs> so neither of those are your job this morning. Just open your ears, throw your antenna up, and, and see what God might whisper in your ear, and then jot, jot what, what he pokes you with down. He's not going to give you an essay or a thesis, but when he pokes you with something, jot it down, okay? Um, so I'm going to pray, and then yes. we're going to get going. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we want to thank you and praise you. We want to thank you and we want to ask you, God, that you would cause this word to be spoken in a way that would open our hearts, that would open our ears to hear afresh. We think of this book as being so dense theologically, and yet when you hear it spoken, it just is so easy. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, let us see. Let us get it. Let us hear it. And let it sink into our hearts and plant something that will grow up a hundredfold. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, bless this man, bless his time, let your word come forth alive and anointed. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. (laughs) Thanks, Kurt. Um, There is nothing, first of all, this is not a performance. uh, Quite often I'm I'm in a costume. But this is not a performance. We didn't come here to impress you with our ability to memorize because everybody in this room can memorize even if you don't believe it. And we may get some of that handy, helpful hint stuff. We'll, we'll hit you with that too. But um, we bring nothing to this platform that will make 
this word come alive. It's only the Holy Spirit that can do that. Okay? So you can, you're going to hear my voice, but listen to this, the Spirit of God, okay? Well, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. Now, what were his experiences concerning this issue of being saved by faith? Was it because of his good deeds God declared him to be righteous? Well, if so, he would have had something to boast about. But from God's perspective, Abraham had no basis at all for pride. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God. And so God declared him to be righteous. Now, when people work, their wages are not a gift. Workers earn what they receive. But people are made right with God by faith, not by their work. King David spoke of this, describing the happiness of an undeserving sinner who has been declared righteous. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience has been forgiven, whose sins have been put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. Well then, is this blessing only for the Jews? Or is it for Gentiles too? Well, what about Abraham? We've been saying that God declared him to be righteous because of his faith, but how did his faith help him? Was he declared righteous only after he had been circumcised, or was it before? Well, the answer is God accepted him first. He was circumcised later. The circumcision ceremony was a sign that Abraham already had faith. God had accepted him, declaring him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham, as the spiritual father of all who have faith but have not been circumcised, they are made right with God by faith. He is also the spiritual father of all those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. It's clear then that God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was not based on obeying God's law, but on this new relationship with God that comes by faith. So if you claim that God's promise is for those who obey God's law and think they're good enough in God's sight, then you're saying faith is useless. And in that case, the promise is meaningless. But the law brings punishment on those who try to obey it. <laughs> the only way to avoid breaking the law is to have no law to break. So that's why faith is the key. God's promise is given to us as a free gift, and if we have faith like Abraham's, we are certain to receive it, whether or not we follow Jewish customs. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Now, this is what the scriptures mean when God told Abraham, I am making you the father of many nations. Now, this happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and brings into existence those things which did not previously exist. 
Now, when God promised Abraham that he would make him the father of many nations, Abraham believed him. God also said, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, even though such a promise seemed to be utterly impossible. Abraham's faith never weakened. Even though he knew he was too old to father a child at the age of 100 and that his wife Sarah had never been able to have children. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was absolutely convinced that God could do anything he promised. And because of his faith, God declared him to be righteous. Now, this wonderful truth that God declared Abraham to be righteous was not only for his benefit, it is for ours as well. Assuring us that if we believe God who raised Jesus our Lord back from the dead, he will also declare us to be righteous. See, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sin. And he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. Well, therefore, since by faith we have been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing his glory. Oh, we can rejoice too when we face trouble and trial because we know they're good for us. They help us learn to endure. And endurance builds in us strength of character. And character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. This expectation will not disappoint us because we know how dearly God loves us. For he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, no one is like die for a good person, though someone may be willing to die for someone who is especially good. But God showed us his great love while we were still his enemies by sending Christ to die for us. And since we have been made right in God's sight through the blood of Christ while we were still his enemies, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. For since we have been restored to friendship with God through the death of his son, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. So now we rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done in making us friends with God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race. 
Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. Because everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. And though there was no law to break, since it had not yet been given, everyone died anyway. Even though they did not break an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. What a contrast between Adam and Christ, who was still to come. And what a difference between our sin and God's generous gift of forgiveness. For this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin. But one other man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through his God's bountiful gift. And the result of, of God's gracious gift was far different than the result of this man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But we have the free gift of being accepted by God even though we're guilty of many sins. The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. But all who receive God's gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin caused condemnation on everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness makes all people right with God, giving them life. Because one person disobeyed God, many were made sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made right in God's sight. <laughs> see, God's law was given so that everyone could see how sinful they really were. And as, as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant so that just as sin once ruled over all people, bringing them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing before God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we first came to Christ and were baptized to become one with him, we died with him? For we died and were buried with him by baptism. So that just as Christ was raised by the glorious power of the Father. We also may live new lives. And since we are united with him in his death, we also know that we'll be raised as he was. See, our, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin would lose its power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. 
For when we were crucified with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Sin no longer has any power over you. And since we were raised with Christ, we also know that we'll share his new life. Now, we're sure of this because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. And he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. He died once to defeat sin. And now he lives to the glory of God. So also, we should consider ourselves dead to sin and able to live for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. Don't let sin control how you live. Don't give in to its lustful desires. Instead, since you have received new life, give yourselves completely to God. And use your whole body as a tool of righteousness to the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you are no longer subject to the law which enslaves you to sin. Instead, by God's grace, you are free. So then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can keep on sinning? Well, of course not. Don't you realize that Whatever you choose to obey becomes your master. You can choose sin, which leads to death. Or, or you can choose to obey God and receive his approval. Oh, thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching God has given you. Now you are free from sin, your old master, and have become slaves of your new master, righteousness. Now, I'm speaking this way using the illustration of, of slaves and masters because it's easy to understand. Now, before, you allowed yourselves to be slaves to impurity and, and lawlessness, but now you must choose to become slaves of righteousness so that you will become holy. In those days when you were a slave of sin, you weren't concerned about doing what was right. And what was the result? Not good. Since you are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom, but now you are free from sin and have become slaves of Christ. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> so then, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only to those who are still living? Let me illustrate. When a woman marries, the law 
binds her to her husband while he is still alive. But if he has died, the laws of marriage no longer apply to her. If, while he is still living, she marries another, she commits adultery. But if he has died, she is freed from the law and commits no adultery when she remarries. So the point is this. The law no longer holds you in its power because you died to its power when you died with Christ on the cross. And now you are united with the one who was raised from the dead. Now, as a result, you can produce good fruit. That is righteousness for God. Now, when we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. Now, the law aroused these evil desires, leading to sinful deeds, leading to death. But now you have been freed from the law when you died with Christ and are no longer captive to its power. Now we really can serve God, not in the old way of keeping the law, but in this new way by the Spirit. Now, am I uh, saying that the law of God is somehow evil? Of course not. God's law is not sinful, but it was his law that showed me my sin. I would have never known that coveting was wrong if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin took advantage of the law and fooled me stirring up all kinds of forbidden desires within me. If there was no law, sin would not have that power. I felt perfectly fine as long as I didn't understand what the law required, but when I learned the truth, I realized I'd broken the law and was a sinner doomed to die. So the good law, which was supposed to show me the way of life, instead gave me the death death sentence. Sin took advantage of the law and fooled me. Using God's good law to make me guilty of death. And yet the law itself is holy and right and good. But but how can this be? Did the law, which is good, cause my doom? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation. So we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commandment for its own evil purposes. So the law is good then. The trouble is not with the law, it's with me. For I am sold into slavery with sin as my master. I don't understand myself at all. I really want to serve God with all my heart and mind. But I don't. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong. And my guilty conscience shows I agree the law is right. But I can't help myself. It is the the sin still within me that makes me do these evil things. 
I know I'm, I'm rotten through and through as far as my old evil nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't seem to make myself do what is right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do what is right, I don't. And when I try not to do what is wrong, I do it anyway. But if, if I am doing things I don't want to do, it's not really me that's doing it. It's the sin still within me that is doing it. It seems like a fact of life that whenever I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another law at work in me that is at war with my mind. See, this law wins the battle and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this life dominated by sin? Oh, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with my whole heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something completely, totally different. Now, with the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, this fateful dilemma is resolved. All who enter into his being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a, a powerful wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. The law of Moses couldn't save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different way to save us. He sent his own son in a, a human body, just like ours, except ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's power over our lives by giving his son, Christ, as a sacrifice for our sin. Now, he did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for, for those of us who no longer follow after the sinful nature but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are controlled by their old nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the, the Holy Spirit dwell on the things that are pleasing to the Spirit. If your mind is controlled by your sinful nature, there's death. But if, if your mind is controlled by the Holy Spirit, there's life and peace. For the sinful nature has always been hostile to God. It never has obeyed God's law, and it never will. That is why those who are still controlled by their sinful nature can never please God. 
But, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. If you have the Spirit of God living within you, you are controlled by the Spirit. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians at all. Since Christ lives within you, even though your bodies will die because of sin, your spirit is made alive because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. And just as he raised Christ from the dead, he will also give life to your mortal bodies by that same Spirit living within you. So, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation whatsoever to do the things your sinful nature is urging you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if by the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the evil deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you should no longer be like cowering, fearful slaves. <laughs> Instead, you should behave like one of God's own children. Calling him Abba, Daddy. For God's Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts, assuring us that we are his children. And if we are his children, we are his heirs. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will give us later. For all creation eagerly looks forward to the day when God will reveal who his children really are. Everything on earth against its will has been subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, all creation anticipates the day it will join all of God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For all creation has been groaning as in the pain of childbirth right up to this very moment. And even we Christians, even though we have the Holy Spirit living within us as a foretaste of future glory, also grown to be released from pain and suffering. We also eagerly await the day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised us. That ought to get an amen. We received this hope when we were saved. For if we already have something, there's no need to hope for it. But if we are waiting for something we do not yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. For the Holy Spirit helps us in our, our weaknesses and distresses. But we don't know what to pray for or even how to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us in, in groanings that cannot be uttered in words. And the Father, who knows every heart, knows what the Father is saying, or what the Spirit is saying, rather. For the Holy Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will, and we know that God causes all things to 
come together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. See, God knew his people beforehand. And he called them to himself to become like his son, Jesus Christ. So that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And those God chose, he called to come to him. He gave them right standing with himself. And he promised them his glory. Now what can we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? And since he did not spare even his own son, but willingly gave him up for us all, will he not also give us everything else? Who dare accuse us whom God has chosen for himself? Will God? No. For he is the one who has given us right standing with himself. Well, who then will condemn us? Will Christ Jesus? No. He is the one who died for us and was raised to life for us and now sits in the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything separate us from the love of God? Hmm? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or cold or in danger or threatened with death? Well, even the scriptures tell us all the day long we are put to death for your cause. We are considered as sheep for the slaughter. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loves us. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Life can't, death can't. Angel can't, demons can't. Fears for today and worry tomorrow. Even the powers of hell can't. If you are above the highest cloud or in the deepest ocean, there is nothing in all of creation that will ever be able to separate you from the love of God, which is revealed to us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, these... <laughs> This is yours. This is your word. These aren't ours. So would you knit to us into who we are and who we are becoming under your under your care the power of your your word and the truth of your word and the fabric of your word. Very quickly just with your heads bowed is there anybody here who has never before taken the intentional step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. We've heard it over and over and over this morning. 
about the penalty that was paid so that you could be free. So you could be free from the dominion of sin. And if you've just never done that before, maybe you just really enjoy hanging around with these guys because they're, they're great to hang around with. But you've never taken that step. If today is your day to get right with God, would you raise your hand? Anybody? Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Praise Jesus. Okay, just give me a moment. What I want to encourage you to do, if, if we could, dear, is just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you in a, in a prayer. And, and I'm not so much asking you to just repeat what I'm saying, but just would you put these words into, into, into your vernacular and just talk to God for a moment. Just, just pray with us, would you? Heavenly Father, today the light went on, and I know I need a Savior. I need one who has, has the penalty for my sin already paid. I'm sorry for my sin. I repent. I'm going to turn. I'm turning away from that old life. And Lord, would you make me one of your kids? Would you adopt me into your family and cleanse my heart and make me new? Pour the blood of Jesus over me and make me a new person. And oh, yes, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go ahead, celebrate a little bit. Yeah. Get, get really good at celebrating when people come to Christ. Because there's a party going on in heaven now anyway. We might as well be partying, you know. So they might even be serving quiche up there. I don't know. And dessert. <laughs> okay, just for a moment. What did you hear? Was there something that stuck out? Just a, a word or a, um, uh, a, just a thought that, that stuck out in, in Romans 4 through 8. Here we go. That was, that was just extraordinary. Uh, I mean, I've read that passage and preached out of it for decades now. Yes. And just hearing that, that whole thing like that, I was just, I was just blown away. And there's two well, thoughts that came to my God. mind. One was, that's literally what we preach every single Sunday. Yeah. And have been for decades even here. I mean, that is the whole of the gospel right there. <laughs> and the second thing that struck me was is, that comes because of when God took Paul to the highest, things that he couldn't even communicate. You know, he got a revelation there of what was real versus religion versus the other ways we think about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that, that this, the reason why this is something we talk about for Sunday after Sunday is because of how extraordinary, how yes. different, how exultant it is yes. over everything else. And just hearing it that way, I just want to thank you oh, you're immensely welcome. for bringing that. this. This is just uh, oh. well, praise the Lord. I mean, I wish I had something to do with it, if you know what I mean. Uh, it's uh, I didn't come up with this, um, but it's wonderful to hear it. It's probably the most common comment that we receive is that the Word of God came alive to me for the first time in my life. It's like, ah, now I've got an apostle. Or Jesus, like Paul, Peter, James, John, Jesus. Now I've got them with skin on their face. Uh, yes, Shadrach. Well, thank you, Lord. Well, I'm just thinking 
but yeah, God always with me, and Grace was with me, and it's a good sermon. Oh, isn't it good? Come back to our basics. Yes, yes. Thank you. You want, to, you want to have a great basketball team, guess what? The coach is always working on basics, you know. As an old friend of mine at ORU said, he was our football star. He says, it's hard for somebody to chase you down when they're sitting on their be behind. You know, go back to basics. <laughs> yes, sir. I think I was struck today about Paul's vulnerability about his struggle with sin. Mm. And I, I just think sometimes in church we get to a place where there's a shame involved in that constant battle, almost mm. like we should be getting free of that shame on you, you know? <laughs> yes, and just yes. to hear the father of us, basically, Paul, yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know, it just, there was a freshness for me today where it's like, Gives oh. you hope, doesn't it? Yeah, and we're a yeah. people of, that is our, we're a people of that. Yes. You know, yes, we're set free, and yes, yet we're still here on earth in that struggle, and not to be ashamed yeah. of that. Anybody else? Now we get, okay, this can't be, and then we get here. You? Oh. Yeah. Um, what struck me was um, the woman being married to her husband is bound by the law. The woman being married to sin is bound by the law. And then when sin, when the law is eliminated, she's no longer bound to the sin. It, you know, I, I got saved when I was six. I've been in church since a week after I was born. <laughs> Quite literally. Never escaped. Um, <laughs> but, but how many times have I heard some, a, a sermon spoken on that? And it was when I began memorizing and I got to that chunk in chapter 7. And it was, it's one of those aha moments. When things start, you see, that's the, that is the, forgive me, I'm going to do a commercial here. It's the beauty and the power of memorization. Because the very process of memorization re requires repetition. And it's like, sometimes, I think we'd do better to just take one chapter and read it over 30 times in a month and then move on to another chapter. You'd know that chapter. You would. Okay, we got... Oh, I'm sorry, Kimberly first and then over here. Yeah. I just was really um, struck by what we can do filled with the Holy Spirit. <sighs> you know, we, we have the best of intentions and we can do great things in our own flesh, especially if you're super capable. Um, and, you know, that, that right, you can ride that train along a long Oh, life. yes, yes. But filled with the Holy Spirit, it just pales in comparison and, and to really, you know, take a good look at yourself and see what you're doing in your own flesh mm -hmm. and what you could do with the mm -hmm. power of the Holy Spirit, you know. The, yeah. And the other thing was that, that Christ intercedes for us. And um, just the, that idea, you know, because we're always looking for people to pray for us, and you have Christ Jesus sitting beside God, interceding for you day and night. Yes. I mean, that is, like, incredible. <laughs> and I was actually reading that this past week, and the thing that struck me is, am I giving Jesus enough to talk about when he intercedes for me? Just give him something to talk about. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, Dad, look at this gal. Yeah, it's kind of like, consider my servant Job. You know? Yes, over here. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm having a hard time with these like kind of deer in the headlights thing. Go ahead. Hello. 
Hello. I know I sound just like her, but I'm her daughter, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> happy, birth- happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. Um, <laughs> so one thing that really stuck out to me was nothing can separate us from God's mm. love. You mm. know, it doesn't matter what has happened to you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. You can feel absolutely worthless and wretched, like, who would ever love me? And God loved you so much. He thought you were a good idea to put you on earth and have you interact with all of his other children. He loves you so much, and it's just good for us to really remember that. And look at the price he paid so he could be our father. Rod, I have one for you over here, too. Where are we? Okay. Andrew can go over there now. Okay. Um, I just wrote down five little pieces that just kind of were the the speed bumps. Sure. Um, And they weren't new to me, but... I felt I was supposed to write him down. Abraham never wavered. His faith increased. God is able. We know how dearly God loves us. We live in triumph because of one man. And if God is for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Not a bad. Hey, Kurt, that'll preach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Amen. Okay. I heard the same thing she heard. Um, Abraham's faith never weakened and it never wavered. Those are the two big words. Never weakened, never wavered. Boy, did I need that today. Here's a guy who's 100 years old, and God says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. His wife had never had children. Now, we know he kind of screwed up a little bit, uh, you know, in the following uh, end of things, and Sarah was part of that too. But he never wavered in believing God's promise. He was absolutely convinced that God could do. Whatever God promises, he can do. Whatever he promises, he can do. Get convinced. Someone else. Shout it out if you want to. Yes, dear. There you go. Um, when you asked about, you know, to renew your faith in God and to also, you know, really lay it at his feet mm-hmm. and to say, I'm a sinner and I need to believe in you more. I need to rely on you. I need to rest in you. And I have to practice daily the word grace the way to be more Christ-like and to truly believe that this is what God's mission is for me. Oftentimes, I you know, try to rely on myself instead of just resting and laying yes. in Him. And I oftentimes have to renew my faith. You are my Lord. I believe in you. Yeah. I am a believer. Yep. So thank yep. you. Yep. Oh, praise God. See, here's the deal, and there, there's, there's, there's one more here uh, as you're going over there. Here's the deal. We, we come, our whole thing is to challenge you to become hiders of the word. Why do we do that? Did we just have a good idea one day that, you know, oh, it, yeah, we could just start a whole new ministry here. We could live in a motorhome and sell the house and, you know, that's a whole other story. <laughs> we used to live in a 3,000-square-foot, six-bedroom, four-bath house. There's one thing you find out if your wife ever gets a four-bathroom house. You'll never have another house with fewer than that. <laughs> but we were challenged to start memorizing. Three years later, as we, were be- we, we had begun, I mean, I tell you what, you get, you get six or seven or eight verses memorized and you, that you can just speak out, and you just start speaking them. You're going to start hearing God talk to you in ways you've never hear- heard him before, which is, for me, the number one motivation to keep going. Well, that started 16 years ago. And now Jenny and I, I think, we're up to 17 books or large portions. 
We didn't think we could do this. And everybody in this room who's thinking the same thing, you're wrong. I mean, I mean even, even those who suffer from dyslexia have tools available to them to become a hider of the word. And when you start hearing God confront you, I mean, I get beat to a pulp when I'm walking around a parking lot of a church getting ready for a Sunday morning. I don't do this because I like wearing a dress, which I'm not doing today, but most days I'm in a dress. <laughs> you want God to change your life? Start embracing the disciplines that it takes to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Have you got a real quick thing here, dear? Go yeah, ahead and just speak yeah. it out if you would. Yeah, you're talking to me? Okay, yes. oh, where are we here? Oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, um, I really liked when you were standing up there and you moved to the right, which would be that thing you said, but that you're no, you're no longer a slave to sin. Hmm. And, and then you put your arms out really huge and wide and you said, now we're masters to righteousness. And I thought, what a powerful, powerful, powerful image to see that despite everything, I mean, this is all about our Christ in us and through us and in our identity in the Holy Spirit. But the true thing is to be a master mm. um, of righteousness. That, that's, that's what wholly sustains our hearts and our yeah. hopes and our minds. Become, become our a slave to righteousness, which is your new master. Yeah. yeah, You're free from sin, your old master, but now you've become a slave of righteousness. And why? So that you will become holy. You know? So, do you want to just shout, dear? Yeah, we need to get our microphone yep. to her. Oh, okay. Okay. Right back there. Yeah. Somebody in this audience is losing weight. Are, and there's it's people that are watching and... Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's yeah, right. Forgive me. Okay. I wanted to um, second what this gal over here said, uh, the neither heights nor depth nor principalities nor powers Amen. nor things present nor things to come shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I've shared the gospel many, many times mm -hmm. in my life, and I've thought, boy, that is so powerful to share with someone who doesn't know Jesus that passage um, just very encouraging. But what struck me this time is the intimacy God has for us internally. It's an internal relationship. He lives with us. Amen. That no yeah. matter what happens, all of these things in their various modern day or Western culture um, norms can happen to us, this one, that one, this one, that one, but to take tremendous courage that God is always with us no matter what horrific thing or painful thing or deeply um, unsettling thing That's happens. Right. Nothing can separate us. Um, cling to that because he clings to you. Peter in First Peter, this tail end of First Peter says, my purpose in writing is to encourage you and to, all, and to, all to uh, also assure you that the grace of God is with you no matter what happens. Amen. Would you just thank Rod, you guys? Thank you. Thank you, Rod. That was awesome. That was just awesome.